And welcome back to the program, everyone. I mean, hey, do we think the Jets made the right decision here or what? Uh, Like my partner here said towards the end of that game in our little chat, I mean, Mike White legitimately played a perfect game, and that is absolutely the story today. Uh, He now has two games under his belt that surpass anything that Zach Wilson has been able to do to this point since he's been here. So the, the Jets blow past the Chicago Bears by a score of 31-10 to 10 to improve to 7-4 and four on the year. And uh, there's a lot to talk about here. I mean, how does this play out moving forward? What do we think about Salah's post-game comments about the quarterback position? It is all coming to you guys, but as a quick aside... I want to welcome in the heart of the show here, Sam Allen. Uh, listen, man, the Astros, who really seem to just always put something special on the field, they don't miss a beat, no matter who they lose, whether it's Cole, Correa, and now probably Verlander. They bring in Jose Abreu and stick him right in the middle of what is already a lethal lineup. And with the Yankees seemingly handcuffed until Judge makes a decision here, uh, Sam, with the competition around the Yankees just getting better, and with the Yankees seemingly just getting bad news after bad news, I mean, how are you feeling right now with, with this team and with with the uh, with the entire process here? Well, Matt, all our listeners, hello. Um, Quite honestly, aside from the Jets, and we'll get to that, the Yankees, I'm feeling very uh, nervous about. And I, we spoke about this a little earlier. Obviously, everything starts and ends with Judge. Um, the Jose Brave signing to the Astros obviously will most likely affect them You know, later on in the playoffs. We're going to have to beat the Astros eventually. But again, everything starts and ends with Judge. And if, if he goes elsewhere, which... Quite honestly, I get the feeling that a lot of reporters and people I see online are starting to believe that it's a little more likely than they thought. Um, it, it's looking, uh, it could be a long offseason for the Yankees. Uh, and just another aside, uh, earlier this week, a report came out that Yankees are still weighing DJ LeMahieu's injury. And Cashman came out and said that uh, we're not sure if he even needs surgery or what surgery he even needs. Uh, I think he even said something to the effect of uh, because he pushed himself so much that it actually some doctors would even believe that it made him a worse. It made his or existing injury worse. So that's never a good thing. Um, and I quote, they said the average timeline of returning is 10 to 12 weeks, given the, the surgery that he would need. So that puts him that's about three months from if he got the surgery tomorrow, that's that's going to bring it close to spring training, but again, they're still weighing options. So uh, that that's going to lead into not only judge, like we said, but uh, maybe, you know, people wanted to trade Glaber. Maybe they have to keep Glaber because they, DJ LeMahieu is going to be out for the first couple months of the season. Uh, maybe that means Volpe has a spot. You know, there, there's, it's uh, nothing is mutually exclusive here. And uh, this is, I don't think it's, yeah, Rizzo was a great signing, good start, but, since the Rizzo signing, it's been a little, it's been a little grim and quiet in Yankee Town. Well, so do you like worry about like, you know how like we don't know how long this judge thing is gonna take, and I think he's just kind of gonna revel in free agency, right? Like he he wants to be wooed a little bit, and he's earned that, and he's earned this, uh, the this sort of uh, free agency, uh, I guess I want to say pamperment, and like, but but if the Yankees retain judge they're gonna sell to us that that is their big acquisition but now if this thing lasts a long time and you even miss out on judge and uh, like I I mean who's even gonna be left in the pool like the Yankees are gonna have to get real creative just just so this family doesn't burn the city down really well I'll pose you this question and you're not you're what you say is not uh out of turn at all it's definitely a valid concern but like maybe Maybe they can approach this in the sense that, you know, 
like you said, what's the Yankee fans worst thing that we hear all the time? You know, oh, we'll get a guy back from injury and we see that as an ac- acquisition. That's I just hate hearing that as a Yankee fan. I mean, he, across all fan bases, I'm sure as a Met fan, you don't want to hear the Mets say, oh, yeah, well, we got Scherzer back because he was hurt at the end of the year. So that's an acquisition. That's, yeah, they've said that about DeGrom for yeah, before. It's it's like a common thing in baseball. But what I will say is maybe this, maybe this, you know, the question marks above DJ and the question marks above Glaber Torres and his value or lack thereof maybe leads them to spending money elsewhere. Maybe it leads you to, a, you know, someone like a, I don't know, uh, Chris Taylor, someone like that, you know, someone who could play multiple positions. You know, they have Oswaldo Cabrera. Maybe they don't trade him. You know, it's it, everything is, I feel like this, in this off season, more than any other, there's so many layers that are intertwined in within the Yankees that it's really hard to make predictions to be quite honest. No. Yeah. Even, even I am uh, like somewhat feeling worrisome about the Yankees at the moment. Cause yeah. And, and like, I guess the the one that you have to stand on if you're a Yankee fan is, like, you're not – yeah, obviously Judge is the big piece, but if you if you step back and take a look at the roster, right, even without Judge, you know, you still got a, you got a decent roster there. It's not the worst. You know, Stanton, you have a platinum glove winner in uh, in Trevino behind the plate. Uh, you have a pretty good rotation that finished the season somewhat healthy. Uh, your bullpen, you lose, you lose Chapman, who's a lot of money off the books, but – Really, from just like a numbers point of view, you're probably going to retain a lot of the same guys that you had last year. Well, sure, but I feel like we looked at this last Yankee season, like when it was all said and done. It's so like, where would they have been without Aaron Judge? Yeah, no. Well, you're right, and it's definitely something that's kind of like Yankee fans have been almost like it's been at the front of their mind, but it's almost been a foregone conclusion. Like, all right, well, I'm going to assume. I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong. Every Yankee free agent conversation always begins with, well, I'm just going to assume Judge is going to sign. So, yes, right. So, that, I mean, but now I'd say that it's starting to shift a tad. And something that I, I had heard uh, some talking heads speak about and I had brought up earlier was if Judge wants, you know, that big free agent treatment, right, where, you know, you go to this city and we've even heard this with like LeBron, where if, when he sits down with the Knicks, it's. You know, you got the whole Knicks brass and this person and that person kind of sweetening the deal. Like, who is it in New York that would sit down with Judge? And we debated this earlier, but I just wanted to bring it up for our listeners because, like I said, he goes to San Francisco and he got he has guys over there. Now, like, he has Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and that that whole crew over in San Francisco. And then he has now another core in Debo, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, like, there's guys everywhere in San Francisco that can kind of – uh, make it make it a selling point. And for New York, who is it? It's not Barkley. He's he could be out after this year. Daniel Jones, no, that's not appealing. Zach Wilson, laughable. Uh, I mean, who is it? Like I, I get where Julius Randall. I get where you come from, but like, and I know that you're not saying like, oh, just like oh, like my buddies might be here, so why uh, I'll stay here. You, you, oh like, yeah, yeah, right. But I get what you mean by, like, the appeal or whatever, but we always talk about how, like, it's the pull of, like, being the guy in the Bronx, like, being the guy for the Yankees. Like, I think that that means much more than any of the the things that you just mentioned. But I don't know. I feel like if I'm a Yankee fan, I I need this to come sooner than later because, like, every day that I wait, I, I, I get a little more worried because, like, like you said, I mean, like, the, he is going to be wooed by San Francisco. So, I, I like, I, I get what you're saying, but I also don't. I just need it to come sooner. Yeah, it's it almost gets to a point where, like, if if Judge does wait, it almost like, the, I, let me put it this way. The longer Judge waits, I think the the less likely he signs with the Yankees. Because not only for the f- simple fact that it's just more time for him to choose elsewhere, but like you got to understand that if this is your team and it will most very well be Judge's team if he signs with the Yankees, as because it are pretty much already is. Like, there's a lot of work to do here. Like, you know, f- like we said, if we're so confused about what the Yankees are going to do, how do you think they feel about you know this Judge thing? Because it shifts the whole offseason if he goes elsewhere. So, so to a point, it, it's like. If you if Judge waits two months and signs, you know, a month before spring training, like this Yankee roster is going to be constructed 
pretty poorly. Well, yeah, because like there wouldn't be that Correa out there or that whoever out there. Like, I mean, they they would have to allocate the money elsewhere. Like, if if they don't retain Judge, so you mean you have to? It would be it, it would be just like inexcusable to not. Yeah, I just worry that they're not going to have the opportunity to. But if if you're the Yankees and you had your heart set on dealing Labor Torres, and if all this DJ stuff is legitimate. Do you completely change pace? Do you, do you not deal him? No, because they were because tr- if you remember in the middle of the year when even DJ, I think there were questions about DJ's health. They still were trying to trade him at the deadline, and I think the is- the bigger issue with trading Glaber Torres is the fact that you're I wouldn't say pennies on the dollar, but you right now you'd be trading him for like a half quarter on the dollar or a half dollar on the dollar. You know, so like, I don't think like, if you look at his last three seasons, they've been pretty good. But I think that 2018, like juiced ball season where he hit like 30 home runs his second year or something like that was, was his best year. And that's, I think what the Yankees think his real value and potential is. So it come, there comes that argument, but back to the DJ LeMayu thing or the hit that side of it, it's just a, it's just another factor that like. If you're if you're negotiating, like imagine I'm the Yankees and you're I don't know your team that team blank that's interested in Glaber Torres, I now lose my leg to stand on negotiations, right? It's like it's like yeah I have Glaber Torres and I I kind of do need a second baseman, so like or I I don't know it, it just decreases the value in him because they know that it's like a necessity for the Yankees if DJ's out. Yeah, and and if he's gonna miss. Uh, time, then that is just X amount more at-bats for Josh Donaldson. I really hope that this heats up more. Um, The Mets stove is, I mean, cold as can be. Uh, I've heard nothing about Nimmo. I know the Mets are trying to retain DeGrom, I guess, now, but I mean, ugh. Like, there's really nothing going on. And I... Can I I ask you something? Is Michael Conforto alive? Yeah, it's like a it's like a Tupac situation. Like we're we're not sure. Oh, so he's got holograms and stuff. Uh, well, okay, interesting. Well, I I mean I don't know. I, I keep hearing now that the Mets might make a push for Degrom. I'm now hearing that the Texas Rangers are kind of like out of it or just just less likely to make a push. And uh, I mean I don't know, man. There's nothing going. C- could you just please talk to me about the Jets? That's really. Like I think I could do that. Yeah. Good. Um, what? Where do I start? Because we came on this podcast and we said that, and much like a lot of Jet fans, I'm sure we were very, uh, we're walking on eggshells going into that game because it could have set us back many years, and it could have set us forward many years, or it could have put us in a strange predicament where I think I lie because I think that even if Mike White is a good quarterback and let's just for argument's sake, just say he's the quarterback to start next year, right? Yeah. He's a starting quarterback week one of next year. I still think it's in a, you're still in a strange position as the jets. It's like, it's almost like, yeah, you want him to be successful, but the more success you have, the worse your, it makes your previous situation. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, like, like they wasted a second round pick. Right. And I think this was your words. In the sense that, like, if Mike White is good, it's always going to be ingrained in the back of Jets' minds that they didn't get a, you know, a number two overall, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type guy. They got a quarterback in which they blew it on, or even a package for the second overall pick. That's what they would have done. It would have been an absolute haul for going rated quarterbacks. So, I think as much as Jet fans are going to root for Mike White, and I think Jet fans will be up for this game this weekend, but... I think it's all. It's just going to be always like a. There's always going to be a small cloud that's going to hang over Mike White's head. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's funny though that like, like Joe Joe Douglas has done so well that like it's almost like he doesn't really even get faulted for that pick. Like, like I mean, you know how it is. Like, you draft a quarterback second overall and it doesn't pan out. Like, you get fired, and we're not even talking about that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fireable offense right there. Yeah, but, but but the Jets have done excellent everywhere else. Listen, let's get into this Mike White performance because to me, I just think it was so interesting that they let him do more than they ever let Zach Wilson do. And listen, I love what Robert Salas said about uh, about his performance where he made the easy look easy. 
And really, I mean, he even went beyond that. And I just, I just thought it was, I don't know. It's just, it's, they, they let him open it up. And that was fascinating to me. I didn't understand. And it's, it's really, for lack of a better term, it's ass backwards, <laughs> to be honest. And one thing, I'll, I'll have a couple takes on this game that kind of, I want to see how you feel. One, like what we said, Mike White, oh, I feel like is always going to have that cloud over his head. Two, I'm just going to be honest. I think they beat this Bears team regardless who plays quarterback. Just being honest. Like, that's fine, but, but is there any fiber of your being that thought that Zach Wilson could have went out there and did what Mike White just did? Like, do you believe that at all? Not that, no. But I think, the again, getting back to our last podcast, one of the things that I said or brought up towards the very end of our Jet segment was, like, how much stock do you put in the fact that this is a, just a Patriot thing with Zach Wilson? And I think that the more we see, like, you know, the Jets' offense actually look good when it's not the Patriots, regardless of the quarterback, I, I, think, I think the Patriots just have our number. I, like... Well, sure, but but the fact that Mike White has uh, put out two and a half games that is better than anything Zach Wilson has ever given the I I just I don't think that that's a coincidence. Like I I that can't be an accident. You know what I'm saying? Like it, uh, like there is an issue there. Like it's not a Patriot thing to me. Well, look, the the short answer is maybe Mike White's just good. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe. Like he maybe he's just good. Like I don't think there's. I see all at you. You turn on the TV. You got talking heads saying, "Uh, yeah, you know, Mike White. He's he's good at this." And you know, maybe there's a reason he got into the second. Uh, like you know, the backup quarterback. You know, no, maybe he's just good, right? Like, why is it so stunning that after the track record of you know, regardless of what you think of Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, you can, the list goes on and on of these quarterbacks that are picked in the third at third round and on. That are just good, right? Like, I think there's something to be said in just a general football knowledge of the fact that, you know, when you're a third or fourth round pick, not only do you have to prove it that you're even, like, viable to play in the NFL, but I think you need to work, like, triple as hard as everyone else. And I think sometimes that just pays off. Yeah, and and honestly, most of that doubt or that hesitancy comes from the fact that, well, number one, you have a (laughs) number two overall pick on your bench. And, and also just Mike White doesn't look special, but he makes all those easy throws uh, that Zach Wilson can do. And that's how special this Jets offense could look if he just did those things. Yeah, and, and he was def- – I, I will say this, though, about the Mike White performance. I don't think a lot of his completions were easy throws. No, you're right. But 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 there were a lot of these, like, slants and swings that Zach Wilson just wasn't yeah. doing. He wasn't making, but, like, again, I think that, like, I think it's kind of silly to just say that Zach Wilson, like, can't do that, right? Like, I think there's there's something deeper because it's, like, you and me can do that. Yeah, but we're we're also, like, the yeah, best no, quarterbacks. It's, I think what I'm trying to allude to, I guess, in fewer words is I think it's more of a mental thing on Zach Wilson's side. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, when we talk about the yips and the mechanics and, you know, all that, I mean, like, that's why I'm not killing Salah when he says, you know, after this game that he expects Zach Wilson back on the field at some point, uh, you know, to dismay of most Jets fans. But, like, I think that's Salah more so just trying not to completely kill the confidence of the kid. Because, like, White could easily go out there and lay an egg. But, like, until he does, I I. I think it's his job to lose, but I wouldn't dismiss Zach Wilson either yet. Like, why would you? And it is, it is. And I don't know. Tell me if you agree or disagree. I have zero issue really in any sport saying we started player a over player B because player a gives us a better chance to win. That I like the fact that that is such a controversial thing. Like when people, when coaches say that about anything, right? Like we we're going to get into around the league a little bit, but you know, if if the Packers said right now that, you know, well, it might be ridiculous to say, but if they if the coach came out and said, we're going to start Jordan Love over Aaron Rodgers because we think Jordan Love gives us the better opportunity to win based on film and practice. It's un- you can't debate it. I don't think it's debatable. M- maybe that situation obviously might be a little debatable because it's a little folly, but 
you know, you're looking at these coaches who see these players every day. They're speaking with the players. We're just talking heads, right? Like, and, and obviously I think a lot of times people almost like when, when you hear coach speak, it's almost like as soon as you hear coach speak, you shut down everything, everything else they say. But sometimes I think that there's some things that coaches say that you just need to take at face value. And I think for a lot of the stuff that Robert Sala was saying after the game, like, yeah, we, we, why didn't you dress Zach Wilson? Oh, I thought, you know, Flacco was like a, uh, he was more ready to be the backup. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to put Zach Wilson in that position. Cool. That's a good answer for me. I don't need, I don't really need much explanation other than that. Yeah. That's what you have to like about what the, the Jets are doing right now. It doesn't matter where you're picked. Doesn't matter what you're getting paid. I mean, James Robinson was a healthy scratch. It doesn't matter. Just, just win games. I was going to ask you about that because that's that's an interesting one. But again, he this is I was I was going to kind of tie this back to what I was just saying because uh, on the K show yesterday, Sala was asked. They asked him about that James Robinson benching, and he said something to effect that uh, Knight was the running back's name. I believe something Knight. It's like Zonovan or Zedarius. He pretty much said it. Gave a very football answer and said. We liked him. He was a, he's a strong vertical runner against that defense. We really liked that matchup, and we played him. So we didn't need to have James Robinson active because we had two running backs that were healthy and very capable. And cool. Look, as long as I'm the kind of person that if you can give me an educated explanation, I'm I'm cool with like I'm okay with like losing that. You know, whether it's betting or like a football game. Like if you can say because if they said. How would you be mad if they said they played Mike White and the Jets lost? No, how could you be? I felt, I felt like they had to do it. Like, would you be like, would you be like mad that Solid made a move from Wilson if they lost that game? No, I don't think you can be. No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think as long as you have like a, like a viable, you know, reason in the NFL to do things, I think like that's just the defense in itself. I think we agreed about this on the last show, but. I think that a lot of the reason that Zach Wilson was sat down was just because he lost the team. So then, when Mike White goes out there and every Jet receiver is involved, and I mean, we're talking about Elijah Moore grabbing his first touchdown of the season, right? I mean, how is anyone in that locker room going to be okay with Zach Wilson ever taking the reins again unless he made astronomical progress? As the scout team quarterback, which I guess isn't impossible because I guess that's what Mike White just did. Yeah, and it's uh, we've we've spoke earlier about about that exact quote about how people are saying, well, if you don't dress Zach, how is he going to get better? He's working with the third teamers. How is he going to get better? Like, I think, again, there's something to be said about, you know, realizing you're third on the depth chart and having to work a little harder. I think they kind of I would go the opposite way and saying that. I'd say the third stringers probably work harder than the first stringers in a lot of cases. Yeah, and just getting back to basics and practicing yeah. other things. Yeah, it's humbling too. Just like from an emotional and mental point of view, it is a humbling experience for Zach Wilson. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's even verbatim said this has been a humbling experience. Yeah, like like, like we said, this was more of a case of just like, listen, kid, like sit back for a minute, like you embarrassed yourself. You embarrassed us a little bit. And just sit back. Everyone wants you to play. You're, you're the number two overall pick. Everyone wants you to play, man. Just, you know, let's take a minute. And something somewhat related but not, but kind of a little off topic. Tell me if you disagree. I'm watching that game on Sunday, and, like, every time something good happened on offense, the camera crew obviously zoomed, on, zoomed into Zach Wilson to see, like, his reaction or whatever. Yep. Obviously, like, you know, he's, he was just about as happy as you could be on a 45-degree <laughs> pouring raining day where you for the first game you were benched, obviously. But I was just thinking, like, you know, people always compare, like, you know, Peyton Manning, right? Like, his rookie year when he threw all those interceptions, you know, you hear it all the time. You know, oh, well, he can be bad his rookie year because Peyton Manning was bad his rookie year. But, like, how much stock do you put in the fact that, like, Media is so, like, in your face today as an athlete that, like, that is so detrimental to the progress of a quarterback because Zach will, like, let me just put it, if that game wasn't on TV, people don't really mention or say anything about, how you know, how Zach Wilson is responding on the sideline. Well, yes, yeah, I mean, especially here in New York. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's, I think that that's, that's a, I'm happy you said that because that's kind of what I wanted to get at in the fact that, like, you know, 
could you make the argument that this is just a New York thing for Zach Wilson? <laughs> like, well, he already handled the media poorly. Remember, that's pretty much why he got benched. Right, but I, I think that I agree with this sentiment that a lot of people say. Like, let's see what you're made of. Like, if you can't handle this, what you're going through right now, then you can't be the quarterback of the New York Jets. Like, if you can't deal with this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, like, but now I'll circle back, and I know we kind of just went against this, but how much can you say that when he's in street clothes on the sideline? What do you mean? Like, four weeks from now, when he's in street clothes on the sideline, are we still going to be wondering... Oh, well, how, how can Zach Wilson handle being a starting quarterback under under duress? Well, no, my point is just like, if you can't deal with what's happening right now, how could I ever trust you to, to lead my franchise? That's what I'm saying. I think right now it's it's definitely a valid, it's a valid concern. But I think that for the Jets, and I guess to wrap this up, unless you had anything else to say, uh, I think for the Jets, they constantly need to be in evaluation mode and... Until Mike, until they deem Zach Wilson gives them a better chance to win than Mike White, Mike White will be the guy. Yeah, and yeah. he better be. And I don't really have much else to say about the Jets, but I know we're going to get to this and we're going to go on the league in a couple of days. I I just want to put this out right now. I think the Jets have a chance to, to win this Minnesota game. I agree. I was... Yeah, I, like, I, I, I get that, like, Justin Jefferson's going to be inevitable... And Minnesota's a good team, but I just think it's like I, I just think the Jets defense could Vikings are overrated. that game. No, but but they're good. That's my sense. Yeah, no, but, fine, but I I just think like they're better than the Jets, but I think Jets could well, match up Gardner well. To, I mean, there's really not a lot of you know one to one man on man these days, but uh, they have Sauce Gardner, who's probably going to shadow Justin Jefferson. So that's going to be I think I think I actually just saw that Sauce Gardner was the highest voted cornerback in uh, a- um, AL in for the Pro Bowl. Sorry, draw a blank. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And so to see him against Justin Jefferson, who probably is the leading vote getter on the other side of the ball, that's a marquee matchup. Um, and that's going to be one to watch. But again, I haven't been, I haven't been as impressed with the Vikings as a lot of people like have. Again, I just think we put them in our tier list and said, I think they're eliminated just because of their quarterback. <laughs> But, but, but like he's not having a bad season. He, but he never has a bad season. That's the thing. But in order to win, you have to have good to great seasons. Well, I guess. But that's that's my stance. Isn't that Cousins. like the complete opposite of what you always say about quarterbacks? I I do, but I, I yes, you're right, and it's hard for me to argue the other way. But I think that when you have an offense like the Vikings, in that you need to feed Justin Jefferson the ball. You kind of need a quarterback that can like get that done, and he has been he has been feeding him most definitely most of the year. But I think when you have a Sauce Gardner and you have to go to your B options probably against one of the better defenses, if not the best defense in the league, I'm I'm nervous. Not nervous because I quite frankly want the Jets to win, obviously. But I'm very uh, curious to see what Kirk Cousins does in that situation where he has to go to his B and C options, right? So while we're talking about quarterbacks here, let's circle back to the Jets real quick. Let's say that Zach Wilson never takes another snap for the Jets, and he never becomes the guy. And and by the way, I, I do think he, he does get under center for the Jets again, just because there, there's so many extenuating circumstances in the NFL. But let's say he doesn't. Mike White is set to be a free agent. If you're the Jets, what do you do? Like, what are you looking for? Like, is this just kind of like a bring Mike White back? Because you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pay him. I mean, quarterbacks make money. You bring him back just with a veteran who's not a Joe Flacco who who might challenge a Mike White for you know. I mean, well, just like don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that like Mike White is Jesus Christ, but like. I don't think it's crazy to say that the Jets are just a quarterback away. Like, do you think that's crazy? Definitely not crazy to say, but I would disagree. I think, like, obviously, like, the Brees Hall injury is huge, and I think we're we're all sold on the fact that he's going to be a stud. Uh, but I still, I think their, you know, their, their O-line is, is not, I still have them sus on their O-line, right? I, I like, obviously the injuries hurt them, but... This is now like back-to-back, if not three years in a row, where injuries have been a huge problem on the O-line. So I can make the argument that, yeah, uh, 
sure, they could be a quarterback away, but what, what's one thing I always say? You build inside out, right? And so if you're a quarterback away and you're just banking on guys that have been injured the past two years to be fully healthy, that's a tough spot. I guess my long form, my short form answer is I'd rather it's, I'd rather, yeah, they can bring in a veteran, like a, you know, a one year deal type guy, but I'd rather them spend money in the off season on, you know, solidifying their O line with guys that, you know, give me a pro bowl O lineman in there, right? Like who was the last pro bowl O lineman the Jets had? That's was, there's a pro bowl multiple years, Nick Mangold. Yeah. Or DeBrickishaw. You, you know what I mean? Like look at all these good teams. They have good. It's not a coincidence that the best offensive teams have Pro Bowl linemen. I know, but, like, I don't know how many kicks at the can you get in the NFL, man. Like, I don't know how many times you're going to have a defense like this. I don't know how many times you're going to have a team as talented as Like, things happen, man. I, I just want a competent quarterback. And then, like, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, it. Yeah, well, look, if they bring in, I think, I think Mike White will play the last, you know, so many games for the Jets for a future job in the NFL, not necessarily with the Jets because he's a free agent. And I, what's going to be a tough decision is, you know, let's say Mike White leads him into the playoffs, right? Like, let's say they go beat the Vikings this week. Jeez, how do you, like, how do you not start talking about Mike White, you know, really being the guy? Well, yeah, I guess, I guess the play would be to bring White back in and then maybe like a, I don't know, like a, a Garoppolo type, like uh yeah, more like I'm trying to think of a guy like a like a Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I think Carson Wentz would be a fun backup. Yeah, I I, I just <laughs> Daniel Jones. Yeah, I I'm actually even more more good on that. I I, I want Aaron Rodgers. But we don't have to talk about it. But let's let's go let's go over to Green Bay. Yeah, the, uh, well we'll go we're gonna go around the league. Let's start with the Packers because. A lot of a lot of stuff has been coming out about the Packers. Uh, you know, losing another game this week to the Eagles, where look, just being honest, you know, they can paint themselves out to be whatever they want to be, and you could say that Rodgers instantly makes you a contender, blah blah blah. They looked outclassed again. But weren't they weren't right? they supposed they, to look outclassed? Yeah, like, I thought Jordan Love came out there and looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, but like they all that. He threw like a 67-yard slant to Christian Watson that he just took to the house. I mean, his numbers are a little inflated. I thought that, you know, people saying that he looked, you know, quote-unquote good. I mean, he didn't look bad, but a lot of his numbers were inflated well, by that. That That's football, Susan. I mean. But that's the thing. Like, it, but if you hear what the things that Roger says, right? What We spoke in the pre-show about Roger saying how, uh, yeah, you know, I think we got like five more games and then we'll figure out where we're at after that. Like. Dude, like, you've had how many games now? 12, and you're kind of bad? Well, okay. I mean, I, I get that Rodgers is banged up, and that Green Bay is struggling, and they and they kind of have, he has no help. I mean, they're starting to find something in Christian Watson, maybe. But really, I, I'm just asking, like, what do you do if you're Green Bay? Like, do you look to deal him? Would he even want that? He's kind of weird. Like, would he just retire? Like... That that's kind of like where I'm going with this. Like I, I'm not looking to just like dunk on Aaron Rodgers. I, I just like I don't know what you do because you want to see Jordan Love. You you want to, and if Aaron Rodgers well, demands to play, what they could do is what well, I have two answers to this. One, what I think they will do is I think Rodgers just plays out the rest of his career there because. I mean, what's he gonna do? Go play one year elsewhere, two years elsewhere? Well, I just, I maybe, just don't see that happening. Yeah, I guess I don't either, and I, I don't think he's made up of what Tom Brady is. Like, I don't know that he cares to chase another Super Bowl. Oh no, no, no. Right. So, but like, do, does he really just say like, I'll, I'll just ride it out here, <laughs> like as opposed to just retiring? Do you think that he just says, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll just, I'll do this? It makes no sense, kind of. Yeah, no, it definitely does. But, I mean, Jordan Love, this is what, his third year in the league? And he's just he's been just the consistent backup for Aaron Rodgers since he's been in the league and barely has seen the light of day? Like, I, I don't, I, they're stuck in place, in my opinion. And until, like, Rodgers, like, officially hangs it up and they can move on, I think it's just going to be kind of the same old, same old, where they're just going to say, like, hey, here you go, Rodgers, go. This, this is the team we're going to give you. You know, there's been issues about getting receivers and whatnot. Maybe they get a receiver this offseason. 
uh, finally. But um, I think they just say, they say, look, you got one more year in your deal. You can do whatever the hell you want after that, but just play out the rest. Let's, let's try and win this year. You know, let's go all eggs in the basket and then we'll move on to Jordan Love one more year after this. That's what I think is the most likely. I think it's most likely too, but like Aaron Rodgers is a weird dude. Like, <laughs> you know, I never know. That's confirmed. Yeah, and there's going to be so many openings. Like maybe, you know, like the Jets, the Saints, maybe the Bucks. Maybe like there is going to be like, it's going to be a quarterback back and out probably. And so who knows, man? Like, I. Yeah, well, I think more so than ever, really. I mean, this offseason could be, I what was it, Jimmy G. There's going to be like seven-plus quarterback openings, potentially, this offseason. I mean, just off the top of my head, it could be Jets, Giants, yeah. 49ers. Yep. Could be Ravens. Could be uh, I mean, Panthers. Could be, I don't know, depending on how Deshaun Watson plays, Browns maybe. Wow. I know, right. I know, but like, you know, it, it, there's you can make Get the real. case that there could be a lot of quarterback jobs open this offseason. So, maybe there's a maybe there is, you know, a market and they're inclined to trade him just solely off the fact that there's just a big market. Um but for I think that if I was if I was a a Packers fan, I think I would just look, Rodgers has given this organization everything and more, right? And I think the only thing that would tarnish that would be him leaving, going elsewhere, and doing, and having any success. Because yeah, like, imagine you're a Packers fan and you see him go to like, I don't know, you see him go to, you know, he replaces Jimmy G in in San Francisco and goes and wins a Super Bowl next year. Yeah, but Brady did that. No one cares. But we're not. But Pat, I'm sure Patriot fans do. But also, it's it's a little dip. But it's a little different because Brady want. I think. I think Brady did his share for New England. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of Packers fans that still think that, you know, there's a lot missing, a lot to have, there's a lot more meat on the bone with Rodgers and success. In terms of Super Bowls, yeah, I guess. So I think it's a, it's a little bit of a different situation. I, I get the comparison, obviously, uh, between Brady and Rodgers, but I, I do think it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, now they brought up Brady, let's talk about the Bucks because they, they're beat up. Fournette didn't play. Mike Evans had a one of the worst games of his career I've ever watched. Uh, they couldn't finish. They, in a very winnable game against the Browns that you and I both really liked the Bucks in, they're in first place in their division. Um, they're probably, if I had a bet right now, they'd probably make the playoffs, yeah. I would just assume, just in yeah. the fact of their division. How lucky is Tom Brady? The division is Yeah, but they're, they're also pretty bad, right? I, I yes. can't, I don't see them as a viable contender. Like, I don't really, I haven't even looked at their schedule going forward, but... You know, if they play any of the top-tier teams, I think they get smoked. Yeah, and it's strange because Brady hasn't played bad football, like, despite the narrative, you know? Not terrible, but, like, terrible in what standards, right? Like, is Zach Wilson terrible football or Tom Brady terrible football? No, but, but even even Sunday, I, I don't think he was bad. I mean, like, it's certainly a step back, but, I mean, you know, 250, no turnovers, a pair of touchdowns. I, I mean, Yeah, but, but don't you think that... If your team is as is struggling as bad as you know as they are, right? You know you're getting very little from the run game. Leonard Fournette was out. Uh, you had 96 total rushing yards as a team. That's probably one of the lowest totals of the entire year. Yeah. Don't you think, you, as someone like Brady, you kind of have to have a a good to great game? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, probably yes. Like, but... like how how long can you skate by with good games? Yeah, well, they're not skating by. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, listen, like they're not. They. <laughs> They are beat up, though, but, like, not to the degree of, like, a Rams. Everyone's beat up. Yeah, but they're not even struggling with injuries as much as, I mean, I can name five other yeah, teams. Yeah, and they have, a, they have a rough schedule coming up, right? So, look, talking about the Bucks. The Bucks are hosting the Saints this week. They're favored by three and a half. That's actually the Monday Night Football game. It's a good game. Yeah, um, I mean. Hosting this, I mean, I, I like watching the Saints. Got some I, good I guys on the team. Uh, and then gets a little, picks up a little bit. They go to San Francisco. Then they host the Bengals, then they go to Arizona, and then they finish the season, which I think will probably be the two key games, Panthers and Falcons. So they go from, you know, the top of the NFL totem pole to pretty close to the bottom in very quick span of time. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know about you. I I can't see them winning a playoff game right now. Well, let me let me ask you, the, do you, would you be stunned if they beat the 49ers? 
I try not to use the word stunned ever with Tom Brady. Would I be surprised? Yes. But, I mean, like, they were recently loaded. In in San Francisco. I mean, I don't know. I, I want to say yes, but I, I don't know. At this, I mean, at this point, I think I'd be stunned. The 49ers are... I, I'm putting. Them, I'm almost putting them at near the top of my list in NFL pecking order. Well, they weren't an offensive juggernaut this past week. Yeah, no. I mean, I, but I think that's what they are going to be. And I, I don't know if there's. I don't know if the Bucks will be able to stop it. But look, I think they're in. They're in. The Bucks are in that weird NFL territory where, like, you know, it's they have an old quarterback with. They're not looking to the future. They're a win now team that's kind of mid. No, hundred percent. Um. Yeah. But I'm just looking around the league here. Uh, we we really nailed that Dolphins game, the Dolphins Texans game, or I'll say I really nailed it. We you, you we we definitely uh definitely was a joint venture. I'd say we had some points on both, but um I correctly predicted that two would be out at half, and he was. And then I also pre- correctly predicted that they would score a couple of late points, the Texans, which they did all over that. But you know, as Jet fans, I think we're always watching the Dolphins a little closer. I am. I don't want to play the Dolphins anytime soon. <laughs> no, me neither. And and with that game, I mean, my logic was on point, like with the over and and just like the garbage points at the end. And unfortunately, we missed by a point and a half. But no, I mean, I don't want to see them either. I mean, outside of the Chiefs, are they the most like lethal offense in the league? Yeah, I was all over that one too. <laughs> yeah, no, but but really, I mean, like the Jets are lucky to have a win over Miami now. But outside of Kansas City, is there another team that you think of? I would say I would throw the Bills in there too before. Maybe even still, but I think Josh Allen is kind of more hurt than he people are led on to believe. Uh, he's just some of his throws that he's making are just like they're weird misses. Like yeah, they 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 look a little bit off just as a unit. Yeah, like I, I mean, I was pretty dialed into the to the Thanksgiving game, um, and you know, yeah, they won. And they're they're a juggernaut. They're going to be there at the end. But I like there's I remember distinctly there was like a you know a little seven yard hitch that Diggs ran, which is literally like throwing a, a fastball right down the middle for a pitcher on a 3-0 count, and he for a baseball equivalent, he pretty much threw to the backstop. Yeah, the Zach Wilson special. And so, look, it's definitely something to monitor, but again, the Bills are definitely in the upper echelon of teams. Uh, let's talk about this Jaguars game a bit, because they get that one-point win in, look, I said it before, I have been a Trevor Lawrence hater. This was easily his best game as a pro. I don't even think that's in question. But beating the Ravens, you know, I, what does it say more to Trevor Lawrence's success, or are the Ravens shaky? Well, just with the way that Trevor Lawrence played, I want to say it has more to do with his progression. But I'm not entirely sure about the Ravens. You know, like, I I don't know. Yeah, and and how about this? The end of the game, right? Justin Tucker, 67-yard miss. Yeah. I wanted that. Not that I wanted to go in, because I liked the the Jaguars. I had them plus three and a half, so it didn't really affect that either way, but that would have been something cool to watch. Like, if you watch, did you watch the end of that game? Yeah, thanks to your uh, thanks to your red zone, I was actually able to watch that. Yeah, but You're um, welcome. if you gave him that kick five more times, he probably hits three of them. Yeah, no, it's he's it's undersung, right? Like, obviously, you know, people Lamar Jackson wins MVPs and Mahomes win MVPs, but like, I, you know, Justin Tucker is just about as valuable as you can get. It's it's. The fact that you can get the ball at the 25, go into your huddle, you know, they got the ball, like, they literally got, I think, they I think they ran it back, or, like, they did a little squib kick, but they had, like, seven seconds where they needed to get, like, 25 yards for there to be a chance at a 67-yard field goal. Makes it, like, you don't realize how crazy that is. Yeah. Like, I think you don't, uh, like, teams that don't have it, right, like, the Giants have Graham Gano, he's probably, like, a probably another top tier kicker in the league, but Justin Tucker is in such a class of his own that it's, it's such a, uh, something that like really we haven't seen before. No, I know. I know. And he probably goes down as the greatest kicker of all time. It's, it's like a 12th player on an offense. Yeah. Right. Like you can't go and you can't defend him really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I do want to abolish kickers as a whole though. Um, (laughs) Just because I am sick and tired of losing bets because of a kicker. But I, I wanted to ask you about another game. Um, well, not really a game, a situation. You watched a lot of Russell Wilson in your day. Still to this day. Yeah. Um, but Russell Wilson, I mean, I, I refuse to believe that Seattle's coaching just masked all of these flaws, right? And then even when you look back at his last season in Seattle where, oh, it might have been a down year, I mean, it wasn't that bad. This 
is atrocious. So I, I just don't know what it is. Is it the coaching? Is it the... It's just, it's so bad, and we haven't seen anything from him that I I have no clue what's going on here. And it's probably the first time he's ever been called out by a teammate in his life this past Sunday. How about this, right? Like, you remember when we used to take tests in, like, high school and stuff, and, like, you didn't know the answer. So, like, you saw option A, and you were like, mm, I think I remember this. Option B, like, oh, you know, that makes sense a little bit. Then option C was like, yeah, A and B are good, but, like, C could kind of make sense, too. I don't know my mind, so I'm just going to click. I'm just going to choose D and do all the above. I think that's what I do with the Broncos. Is Russell Wilson playing poorly? Yes. Is the coaching an issue? Yeah. Is the locker room lost? Yeah. All the above. I think it's just has just snowballed to a point where it's – I do think it's going to be salvageable in the offseason. I don't think it was ever salvageable this year. And I'm I, people that are, you know, totally out on Russell Wilson, I think need to just kind of like – just relaxing a little bit. Like, yeah, obviously, if you're a Broncos fan, I'm definitely not happy right now. But, like, just, just given the track record of the guy, like, look, we've seen guys go to different teams and struggle at first. It's not, you know, uncommon. To this extent, no. But, look, I just think that the there there's just so much to be said about, like, having everything change around you, right? Like, where you're not like just from not even the football point of view, where you're living, business ventures, new contract. And now you got to make chemistry with everyone on the team. You don't know these guys. Like you're going into a team as, and uh, like picture you're on a team and you, like even like just say work and you go into work tomorrow and your entire team is different and you have a new boss and you, your understudy is new. You're going to be a little shook up. And yeah, you're an NFL quarterback and you're making a lot of money. But sometimes that just doesn't shake out the right way. And I think this year, that's just the case. Yeah, I, it's just alarming to me that he's not even showing me flashes, you know? Like, there's nothing. And if I had to guess, I mean, I, I don't think there's any way that Nathaniel Hackett makes it to next season. Yeah. Because you're, you're going to have to point the finger to someone. And you got Russell Wilson under contract for a long time here. Uh, so, and, and you're paying him a lot of money. So you're going to have to deflect the blame somewhere. There's no way that he makes it another year. I just don't see it. Well, do you, what is his, what is Russell Wilson's contract like? I know, I think I have like a ballpark idea of what it is, but like, I don't know exactly. Do you, do you have, do you know off the top of your I'm, head? I'm pulling it up uh, as we speak here. Spotrack, great app. Okay, because, only because like, could that be an option of trading him? Uh, like, again, that's, but that's pennies on the dollar. Who would want that? Yeah, uh, well, like the Giants were in on him prior, you know, maybe if they can kind of get the Broncos to, you know, pitch in and get half of that salary, maybe uh, they can explore that as an option, uh, uh, you know, where the Broncos just kind of bite the bullet and say, look, we're just going to pay you to take this guy or some like something to that extent <laughs> or get, you know, give no, us, I'm... how about like, how about this? Here's a proposal. The Giants signed Daniel Jones to like a one year contract or like a, a two year deal or something like that. And they do a signing trade for Russell, Russell Wilson, where the Broncos pay a decent portion of the rest of his salary. Yeah, I mean, let's get out of a let's get out of Fairyland, but let me show you the contract. That's here. just totally yeah. Yeah, this is a a five year deal, uh, one sixty one guaranteed, two forty two total. It's crazy. Yes, and get this in uh, twenty twenty eight when he's forty, uh, they're gonna be paying him fifty million dollars, assuming he's still a Denver Broncos. So I mean, so now we'll have so you said five years, uh, like two fifty, pretty much. Yeah, with a potential out after twenty twenty five, but I don't see how that happens. So he's making twenty five million a year. So at the end of this year, it'll be four years, two hundred million, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think eventually they they have to find a way to get out from under it because I mean, it's so bad. Well, now if you're the again, I only bring up the Giants because they were rumored they had they were rumored in Russell Wilson before, but like if you're the Giants and you can get you can trade, you know, again get Russell Wilson for pennies on the dollar. And then you let's say like let's say you can get them to pay half of the contract, right? I don't know that I want him for free. Well, but but let me pose you this: you you get Russell Wilson for half of the contract, right? So if he's if if the beginning of next year he's four for two hundred, if you can get four for a hundred for Russell Wilson, where you're only paying him twenty five a year total, and then then you can give Barkley some money there. It's not like you're paying. I don't know. No, he would have to show me something. I don't think that anyone would be interested at all. Yeah, yeah, but, like, for a team that thinks they're just a quarterback away, like, I, I don't know if the Broncos 
were the Broncos a quarterback away? Are they a quarterback away? I, I don't know. Well, they thought they were. Yeah, well, but also, too, what's very undersung is, yeah, Russell Wilson's been bad, but, like, who the heck is healthy for them now? Well, everyone's banged up, but you're right. They, like, yeah. there's, they have no running backs. They literally got rid of Melvin Gordon. Fumble machine. Javante uh, Williams, who was their stud running back, gets hurt out for the year. Probably won't be back until the start of next season at the earliest. Uh, Cortland Sutton has been hurt. Jerry Judy has been on and off the field. Like, they're they're just a mess up and down, I think. Yeah, but the defense has been great. And then you watch Daniel Jones do more than Russell with less. And it's like, how's that possible? Yeah, but like... Again, I just think that they're in the, he's doing more with less and they're paying no money, but the Broncos are doing like nothing with with more and they're paying a lot of money. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a different situation because they're going to have to do some, you know, some shuffling over there, I think. Someone I I like there there's no way that I'd say that of their starting offense, the starting 11, I'd say probably at least three of those guys will be replaced next year in terms of the Broncos, at least, if not more. So, Yeah, Uh, obviously a very uh, football-heavy episode here. Is there anywhere else you wanted to go? No, I think think I'm good. Yeah, we got a lot. We definitely wanted to get a little baseball in, so we got that in the beginning. Uh, Football, a lot of storylines I feel like came out of this week, and it's kind of like that we're getting to the end of the season where it's kind of put-up-or-shut-up season. And, uh, you know, this week, obviously, the weeks get progressively harder and harder, I think. And they mean more and more. So, you know, like we, we went long form about Aaron Rodgers. They could, Aaron Rodgers could put up zero and be out at half this week. And I don't think it would be stunning. There's a, I think there's a lot of ways that this NFL season can go. And uh, if, I'm, if I'm an NFL fan, I'm, I'm strapping in and I'm ready for it. Yeah. Quick aside, the Packers opening up as four-point favorites against a Chicago team. I mean, I, I guess if you're expecting no fields, it makes sense, but still strange. Uh, it's a, that's a good early play, actually, if you can, can get a scoop on that injury. Either way. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I definitely look forward to going around the league later in the week. Massive Jets, massive Giants games. So, Electric f- a fraud or applaud for Friday, too. No, when Electric. is it not? When is it not? Yeah, and I, I just it's the best part of the show. Yeah. Well, if you have nothing else, uh, feel free to take us out then. Yep. Well, always thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our Around the League, as Match has hinted to. We'll have Fraud or Applaud. Some special guests probably. One of our hooligan friends will probably hop on with us. So um, thank you for listening. Interact with all our socials. We're going to be doing a giveaway sometime in the very near future. Uh, I'm going to do it probably, or we're probably going to have it all set up. Probably before the football season ends, I'm going to say. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, thank you for listening.